How many of you have ever been in a meeting and wondered to yourself, why are we doing this again? Maybe you've been to a movie and you've thought to yourself, what is going on here? Maybe you've read a book and thought, what is the author even doing in this chapter? Heck, this morning you might even be asking, why is Pastor Dan introducing his sermon this way? All of these questions are asking about purpose. Our questions are, what is the purpose of this meeting? Movie, book, or sermon? Thankfully, we do not have to ask that question for the book of John. See, we have a purpose statement in John 20, 30-31, which says that these signs were written in the book of John so that you might believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. These signs that we've been going through in this sermon series and that are in the book of John are written for our belief. Not some general belief or faith, but a specific belief that Jesus is the Christ. That He is the Son of God. Now in this series, the first three sets of signs began in Cana. And they ended in Cana. And today we begin the next set of three signs. The first of which, this morning, is in Jerusalem. And it takes place on the Sabbath. The last one also takes place in Jerusalem and on the Sabbath. And all three of these signs take place during one of the festivals. In our story today, we have three main characters. We have the lame man, the Jewish leaders, and Jesus. The problem is that the lame man and the Jewish leaders do not see Jesus for who he reveals himself to be. And all that is enveloped in all of this Sabbath controversy. The problem reveals for us that we must rightly respond to the revelation of the Christ and Son. Let me repeat that for our note takers and those who are seeking to be conformed by the Word of God this morning. We must rightly respond to the revelation of the Christ and the Son. In this narrative, there are two plots intertwined for one purpose. One related to the lame man. And the other is the Sabbath controversy with the Jewish leaders. So at this time, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word in John 5, 1-18 through this morning. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, 
I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is this man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Because He was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Him. Because not only was He breaking the Sabbath, but He was even calling God His own Father making Himself equal with God. This is the Word of the Lord. Please be seated. The first thing that we learn here is that Jesus reveals Himself as the Christ by making the lame leap. As I mentioned earlier, our passage has two plots. The first has to do with the lame man. The setting of this section is in Jerusalem at the pool of Bethesda, which means house of outpouring or mercy. This pool is actually a pair of two pools that are connected to one another. They are paired that north and south, and they have been actually partially excavated today in the northeast part of old Jerusalem. There's pictures online if you want to see what they could look like. Now to help build the image of this setting, you need to imagine two large square pools surrounded and divided by colonnades. These are open air hallways with pillars lining the stone and holding a roof over the area. In these colonnades in the pool, a multitude is gathered in this place. The multitude here is likely describing hundreds of people gathered. But more specifically, hundreds of of invalids, the blind, the lame, or the paralyzed, are here. The problem in this story is clear. One man stands out from the rest. This man has been an invalid for 38 years. Jesus saw him and knew he had been there a long time. So Jesus asks this man, do you want to be healed? Let's look at verse 7 for this man's response. It starts with, Sir. Now do not mistake this word here for a recognition of who Jesus is or His authority. This is just a civil or respectful address followed by what one commentator calls the crotchety grumblings of an old man who thinks he is answering a stupid question. This lame man goes on to say, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. 
And while I am going, another steps down before me. From his response, we know that this man is lame because he cannot get into the pool on his own. And ignoring the crass response and quite honestly the the non-answer by the lame man, we get to see the compassion and power of Christ in action. He gives the following commands. Get up. Take up your bed. And walk. Pausing for just a moment. This right here is the sign. It is the climax of our first plot. This moment actually points us to Isaiah 35, which talks about the future blessings upon God's people, which are actually coming true before the eyes of us and them right now. Isaiah 35, 4b says this, Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, He will come and save you. Verses 5 and 6 say, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. John 5, 9. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. The climax resolves with immediate effect. He is healed. He gets up. He grabs his bed and just starts walking away. The lame man leaps to his feet. This is a sign of Isaiah 35. The Messiah will come to heal and restore. And Jesus reveals Himself as the Christ by making this lame man leap to his feet. There are two plots being brought together for one purpose. And the end of verse 9 transitions us into the second arc. We go from the setting of Bethesda being central to the chronological setting of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is what ties our two revelations together. Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath and tells him to pick up his stuff and walk. The response of the Jewish leaders leads to Jesus revealing Himself as the Son of God. Let's take a look at what verses 10-13 through tell us. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But He answered them, The man who healed me, the man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is this man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in that place. A man who was lame for 38 years is up and about. And all you have to say is, It's illegal for you to be carrying your bed. You shouldn't be doing that right now. I don't know about you, But if I lived in and or spent all of my time in a single place for 38 years, I feel like I'd be pretty well known. Heck, I can't even go to breakfast here without running into someone from First Free that I know and love. These Jewish leaders had to have known He was doing something new. They had to have known that this man, that this man had been lying by the pools of Bethesda for the last 38 years. But all they care about is him carrying some bed. 
Now, the Old Testament law does not condemn this action as illegal. This is a case of the Jewish leaders adding to the law that they were given. They laid out 39 specific work areas, including carrying something from one place to another. This man was breaking the tradition of the Jewish leaders by carrying his bed. And they are now accusing him, attempting to prosecute him for his unlawfulness. The healed man responds to the accusation of the Jewish leaders by saying, you don't want me. You want the one who healed me. He told me to pick up my bed and walk. I didn't just do that on my own. The leaders at this time have an opportunity to change their response. They could say, I'm sorry, you you said you were healed? Tell us about it. Could you please tell us who healed you so that we could also know him? This seems like a miracle. Instead, they ignore the miraculous healing and focus on the Jewish tradition being broken. More specifically, this man taking it upon himself to authorize others to break it. When asked to give the name of this unauthorized authorization giver, the healed man was unable to give the name because he did not know who healed him. But Jesus does know this man. And he seeks him out in the temple. Jesus' healing command was the first, uh, was, the, was the climax of our first plot. And now we have our second interaction with the lame man in the temple where he is given another command. This moment is the climax of the Sabbath controversy, our second plot, where Jesus says, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. We will deal with this statement and command in a moment. But the important thing to see right now is that the only reaction we see is that the lame man shows himself to be a dull man. The man who didn't know Jesus saw Him for a second time. Was commanded by Him for a second time. And His only reaction was to deliver the name of the One who healed Him to the Jewish authorities. Until now, Jesus has claimed to be sent by God and He has talked about the Son. But in this moment, Jesus reveals Himself to be the Son of the Father, equal to God. Jesus answers the angry Jewish leaders by saying, My Father is working until now, and I am working. Jesus reveals Himself as the Son by working as the Father does. Jesus through these two plot points, has revealed Himself as the Christ and as the Son of the Father God. And He desires our right response to these revelations. We have two revelations and two responses in our passage this morning. First, the lame man who even though he had been directly healed by the power of God, does not know Jesus to be the Christ. Second, 
the Jewish leaders see a healed man and then another man claiming the power of God, and yet they do not see Jesus as the Son of God or the Christ. First with this lame man, there are some differences in this passage compared to other signs or miracles that are performed by Jesus. For one, the lame man in this passage shows no signs of belief or faith. Some of you will remember in last week's sermon, Pastor Josh talked about a sign-only faith or a true saving faith. In his passage, the father of a son started with a sign-only faith that brought him to Jesus in hope that Jesus would heal his son. And in that signs-based faith, Jesus decides to heal the son. This man recognizes the miracle that has happened in front of him. His son has been healed and his faith becomes true saving faith through that experience. We do not see that with the lame man. By his answer to Jesus' healing questions, it seems that the only thing he expected to be able to heal him was this superstitious belief that these pools had power to heal him. As long as he could be the first one in the water, though. Because they only heal one, not all. The only faith this man has towards Jesus is that he sees an able-bodied man who could bring him into the water. And instead of doing that, Jesus, with no pomp, just declares the man healed and made whole. The healed man then responds, not in celebration, but in cautious self-preservation. He is accused of breaking the law. And rather than celebrating His miracle, He tries to throw Jesus under the bus. I I brought this up before, but I want to make it really clear for you here. Jesus knew this man and His story. But this man did not know Jesus. Jesus heals the lame man, making him well. And the healed man still does not know Jesus. But Jesus, knowing the one He healed, He seeks him out and tells him, See! See! You are healed! Empathetically, He is literally saying, Look! Take notice! You have been healed! You can tell that this is a miracle, right? Jesus says, sin no more so that nothing worse will happen to you. He is not merely saying, be careful or you might end up lame again. Jesus is saying, if you go on sinning, you will receive the just punishment for that sin. This refers to an ultimate judgment, a casting into the fire of hell sort of statement. I'm not denying that sin has worldly consequences. It was a while ago, but in the Samuel series, I very specifically talked about sin and the scars they leave in our lives. Those are very real. And there are consequences for our sins today that we deal with. But here, Jesus as the Christ is referring to something more. Jesus did not come to just deal with our physical health. 
He came to deal with our very salvation. He came to deal with our sin. Jesus made a broken man whole, able to walk. He compels him to see what he has done. A lame man becomes a healed man, but is really exposed to be a dull man. For us today, that looks like you claiming Jesus as your Savior in one place, but being afraid to claim Him in another space altogether. Whether that's your jobs, your personal friend circles, your families. But in parallel with this, chapter 9 paints a very different image. I do not want to steal too much thunder from Pastor Josh's sermon that will take place in a couple of weeks. But the blind man in chapter 9 is also healed on the Sabbath. The Jewish leaders also want to know about the man who healed him on the Sabbath. Not because he healed them, but because he worked on the Sabbath. Because of course that's what's important. They interview the seeing man, and he gives them answers. And they're not quite satisfied. So then they pull out his parents and they're still not quite satisfied. So then they bring the seeing man back in for more questioning. And the Jewish leaders ask him again, how did he open your eyes? What is it that he exactly did? The healed blind man in chapter 9 has a very different response compared to the walking man. He boldly proclaims, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become a disciple of His? That's John 9.27. The fortitude of this man standing before the religious leaders is to be our response when people ask for our healer. Jesus desires our right response to His revelation. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ and He has healed you, then you cannot separate God from His power. And you must boldly stand in your faith and belief in Him. We must boldly stand in our belief. In our second response, the Jewish leaders are guilty of dividing the power of God from the work of God. They have before them a healed man who had been lame for 38 years. And another man who claims to have been sent by God, be the Son of God, and doing the work of God. And yet, they do not see how the two are related. They can't reconcile that. They see a healing, and they see a claim, and they separate the two. They do not recognize healing as a sign they are, blind to, they are blind to the revelation of Jesus the Son. And Jesus, seeing this stubbornness, leads him to tell the Jews just who he is. Jesus makes it clear that he has the authority to do the work and he takes it a step further. Not only is he doing this work, but the Father has also made him the judge over all. Turn a little forward to John 5, 20-24. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. 
and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Remember that sign that was completed from Isaiah 35? The passage that I read before didn't quite seem to connect to the lame man. Isaiah 35, 4b says, Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. The same God that comes to heal comes to save. Jesus is directly saying, I am the God who was to come and now has come. We cannot do as the Jewish leaders have here. The Jewish leaders are making the wrong judgment about Jesus. They are sitting in authoritative judgment over Him and therefore sought to kill Him. But it is Jesus who will make a just judgment. The one that has the true authority and will ultimately bring judgment to all who don't acknowledge Him as Christ, as the Son of God. We must rightly respond to the revelation believing that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God. The One who comes to heal and save. If we believe, we saw it right here in 5.24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears My Word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. If we do not All we inherit is the judgment that is to come. We must rightly respond to the revelation of the Christ and the Son. Our right response to the revealed Christ and Son is belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, and our ongoing living in that belief. I talked earlier about purpose. And I don't know about you, but anytime I hear that word purpose, I'm immediately reminded of humanity's greatest question. What is my purpose in life? Who is it that I am called to be? Our chief end and purpose in life is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Our joy and glorification of God cannot be separated from our belief in Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus said to the lame man, See, you are well. Sin no more. I say to you first free, See, see Jesus as the Son of God, the One that was sent for your sins. See Jesus as the Christ who died for your sins and defeated death coming back to life. Look upon Jesus with awe and wonder at all He has done in the stories we have read, yes, but also personally in you. Brothers and sisters, 
You laid a man among a multitude of broken. And yet, Jesus knows you. And He healed you. You have been made whole. Do you see? Do not be the hardened leaders that are unable to see Jesus. If you have been healed, find your joy in the Lord. Do not be the dull man unable to see how the Lord has worked in your life. The overflowing of your joy in Christ is what fuels your worship, your life, your evangelism, your discipleship, your compassion, your love, your ability to go on without sin in your life. This is not some impersonal story for you to take away more facts and store them in your mind. We are not called to merely receive this information, but we are called to rightly respond to this reality. For those of you who are being awakened to the Gospel for the first time, you are called to believe. Believe that God created all and it was good. The actions of man brought a curse upon creation. We were promised a healer and a Savior in Isaiah 35. Jesus is the Son of God the Father. He is the Christ, our Messiah. The recompense that is paid for our sins is the blood of Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. Jesus Christ was resurrected three days later after His death, defeating sin and death in one blow. We now have the signs in John for our belief. You must, and I mean must, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Father. He is the Christ. He died for your sins. And in that faith, in your belief in the Gospel of Jesus, you too have eternal life in His name. It's yours. For the saints, my brothers and sisters, for those of you that already believe the Gospel, you are called to be bold. These signs you already believe. I know that you're scared. Just as the healed man was standing before the Jewish authorities. You fear persecution or social ostracization. How will it affect my friendships, my family, my job, my status in the world? The real question we should be asking ourselves is, what does it do to me to deny Jesus? The healed, dulled man did not know Jesus. Jesus revealed Himself to him and he still does not know God. Do not, out of fear, fail to recognize the power of Jesus Christ in your life. You have been given these signs for belief. You now are a walking sign of a broken invalid being made whole. Go and be a light of Christ to the world. Live out your belief in boldness for the sake of others' belief. Let your joy in Christ overflow into the city of Wichita. Let it fuel your love and compassion for the lost. Help those who haven't found Christ see who He really is. He is 
our Savior. He is the Son of God. In just a moment, we're going to close in prayer. Pastor Josh preached this text in 2011, and he used a prayer from Pastor John Piper that I just think does an excellent job of painting a big, beautiful picture of the Father and Son. So we're going to close our time today with this prayer. Let us bow our heads. Eternal Father, you never had a beginning. You will never have an ending. You are the Alpha and the Omega. This we believe because you have revealed it to us. Our hearts leap up with gratitude that you have opened our eyes to see and know that Jesus Christ is your eternal divine Son, begotten, not made, and that you, O Father, and He, your Son, are one God. We tremble even to take such glorious truths on our lips for fear of dishonoring you with withering and inadequate words. But we must speak because we must praise you. Silence would shame us and the rocks themselves would cry out. You must be praised for who you are in the world you have made. And we must thank you because you have made us taste and see the glory of Jesus Christ, your Son. Oh, to know him. Father, we long to know Him. Banish from our minds low thoughts of Christ. Saturate our souls with the Spirit of Christ and all His greatness. Enlarge our capacities to be satisfied in all that You are for us in Him. Where flesh and blood are impotent, reveal to us the Christ and rivet our attention and our affections in truth and beauty of Your all-glorious Son. And grant that whether rich or poor, sick or sound, we might be transformed by Him and become an echo of His excellence in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.